welcome to the Passion Fit Coaching podcast. This podcast is hosted by my husband, Tom Ward, and it is produced and directed by professional athlete Lydia Dant. Tom is our Passion Fit Coaching strategy... No, what are you again? What are you you actually? Coaching strategy creator. So whilst we're trying to figure out the finer details of what Tom's title really means, sit back and enjoy the podcast. There is such thing as a stupid question, so stop asking them. So welcome to episode 34, 34. of the Passion Fit Coaching Podcast. I can't believe we're at 34. No, I know. I was thinking about this the other day because obviously once we get to 52, it'll be roughly a year. Yeah, it? and we've done a few bonus ones, so give or take. We have, and I still feel like we're kind of honing our craft. I know, we just like started on this. Yeah. Um, okay, so this week, this is going to be an interesting one. They always are, aren't they, for us? Well, in, in, our, in, our, in our heads, they're always interesting. <laughs> so this is going to be an interesting one because um, Lydia's chosen this one. <laughs> yeah. Um, Lauren will be really unhappy about this one, I suspect. But she oh, doesn't, don't put that on me. She doesn't want to... Lauren, <laughs> it wasn't me that chose it. <laughs> I'm being scapegoated. Yeah, but Lauren doesn't know that we're recording this one, so um, she thinks we're recording something else. So we'll we'll see what her reaction is, because um, I don't know if she totally agrees with me on the on this, or maybe she doesn't agree on the... the, the in a, from a context point of view in the same way like this. Well, I guess we're going to find out if she yeah. needs a review on her podcast yeah. <laughs> so, the, yeah, so, so this she hasn't left a review on everyone her podcast, else is giving it a five star rating yeah. Yeah. Lauren no so this one may be a bit more tongue in cheek um, it's less may... ranty than the topic I was going to choose what was the topic you did choose this topic yeah but the other one what was the oh, other my, one well, I've got a list of like 35 what was the other one then ranty topics what was the other one? About privilege, entitlement, ownership and gratitude. Oh yeah, that would have been very, that would have been seriously ranty. This one may be a bit more tongue-in-cheek ranty. We'll see um, how it goes. And I'm feeling very privileged oh, myself yeah. today because I've got, thanks to my chair sponsor, who <laughs> we won't name her because I don't know if I'm allowed to, but thanks to my um, my confidential chair sponsor. It was on social media. Oh, right? it was actually, yeah. And she did add it to her story. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't so, think it's that confidential. <laughs> so thanks, Emma. Um, thank you for my chair. Um, I think it might have ceramic bearings because when you spin on it, which in the instructions it says not to do. Um, I did read all of the you did. instructions to you. You did. Um, but um, you, you spin for a very long time if you get spinning I on this chair. Yeah, it's very comfortable and it matches my hair. It does. <laughs> so well, for now. For now. So I've got my new chair, so I'm quite happy about that because I haven't got to sit on a CrossFit box anymore. Yeah. So we better get started because we're two minutes in and we haven't talked about anything important yet. Well, that was quite important. Yeah. Well, yes, for me. Maybe not for everybody else. It also contributes towards the podcasting quality. <clears throat> Maybe. Oh, yes, I suppose the chair does because I'm comfortable. Exactly. No, it might not. I don't know if this contributes to the quality because I might doze off because I'm quite tired today. <laughs> yes, aren't I? Yes. And the comfy chair might cause me to doze off. So, um, uh, first Ironman build for a year for us, isn't it? It is. Um, and probably, I'd say, just started that properly. Yeah. 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 And, um, <clears throat> kind of forget how tired it can leave you at times don't you yeah. so anyway let's uh, let's get back to topic so stupid questions yes now we've discussed this a few times as part of our athlete weekly seminar um and uh, it's always interesting to see how people react to this um and there's two things that often invoke quite a emotive response in people when you first talk about the topic one is this asking you know is there such a thing as a stupid question in, in my opinion yes there is uh and um the other topic is the benefit of micromanagement mm. when you mention micromanagement people react quite emotively just to the word yes don't they um and of course we have the saying don't we in life that there's no such thing as a stupid question yeah and i totally disagree with that i have to be honest with you um, and it, stupid questions, the, or questions that I, I deem, <laughs> the rules of Tom, <laughs> deemed to be stupid, really irritate me, to be honest with you. They do you as well. You're laughing at me, but yeah, they no, really I wind you up well, as well. I bet I end up being the more ranty one in this podcast. You might, you might, we'll see. Um, now, Lauren probably is equally frustrated by stupid questions, but she probably has a, her limit's probably a little bit higher. Her tolerance level is probably higher yes. than ours. And her 
ability to choose diplomatic um, feedback approaches is better than ours. <laughs> Massively so. Yeah. Um, okay, so come on then, let's, we haven't rehearsed this as normal, have we? No. So let's try and start with what, what, what is a stupid question? Okay. So come on, you chose this. What do you oh. think a stupid question is, Liz? I, for me, a stupid question is one where there hasn't been any uh, sort of approach to try and actually find out the answer. Yeah. And that's probably the, that's the, probably the biggest piece for me is like, actually, like, you can ask a question, but have you thought about the question you're asking firstly? Mm. Secondly, upon thinking it, which is fine because we, we all think things and... We filter out what we do or don't Well, not say. everyone thinks. Well, no, things, let's be honest. That, that I've met a few be. people that I'm not sure do think. <laughs> that was going to be another podcast topic, yeah. wasn't it, for another day? Do you think? Do you think? Yeah. Um, but then on, upon thinking about it, have you tried to find out what the answer might be? Hmm. And for me, that's the probably the key point. It's like, if you don't take that step upon thinking to then finding, hmm. that then becomes a stupid question. Hmm. Because you're asking it without actually <clears> looking at what the answer might be. And the hmm. thing is, like... I, like I've, you've, you're not always going to know the answer, and there's that point where I don't know. Well, Talk, speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just being nice to the others out there. <laughs> the non-thinkers. Yeah. <laughs> but sometimes you might try and find the answer. You might try and understand it. Yeah. But you also might want to then sense check it because it could be like, say, you're researching like a new part that you want to sort for your bike. Yeah. We all know that for loads of things there's hundreds of different options out there yeah. everyone's got an opinion there's about 100 been... different bottom bracket tools exactly. these days yeah and there's been hundreds of things written on loads of different forums yeah. everyone's then got an opinion on facebook yeah. Yeah. about what they do or don't do so i can see why when there is just an, a mass of information that actually filtering through it to be able to sense check and rationalize it becomes yeah less easy to do and that's when you then might say look i've got away this is the question i had this is what i found out yeah this is then all of the options or solutions that there might be. Yeah. This is what <coughs> or I can't suitable. establish it. Yeah. yeah. This is what I'm thinking could be suitable for me. This is why. Can I then sense check yeah. it against you? Yeah. That's that's that feels all right. Okay. When you get to that point, it's the first step of this is the question I've got, and no, yeah. nothing, then yeah. nothing. It's like yeah. well, okay, well, I'm not even going to answer that. Yeah. Um, because. And for me, that's the whole, all the, the, that's the exciting part is no one starts knowing everything. You just have to keep... Again, speak, <laughs> oh, speak, speak, you know, speak for yourself. I was born with everything in my head. As soon as I said that, I was like, oh, I'm going to edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> and I do you know how to do that. I'm the knowledge um, equivalent of a baby deer. They come out being able to run around immediately. Uh, I came out with like all this knowledge just in my head immediately. All right, Bambi. <laughs> Lauren's gonna hate this one. Okay. Um, but the thing is, there's so many different ways for you to find out answers. Yeah. And also, like I was saying, like that is actually the exciting part. If you mm. don't know something, it's then working out what the answer might be to keep on furthering mm. that knowledge. And I think this is all a choice, as a, as with everything, really. Mm. Of whether you've got that curiosity. With a lot of things, are a choice. Not every, but a lot. Yes. Lots of things. Yeah like that curiosity to try and increase that level of yeah. knowledge you have yeah um because there's nothing more sort of like liberating or exciting than yeah. actually saying right i've got this yeah i've done this because of this 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 is this this is why it's right for me as an individual mm. and um that's it decision made mm. you're like shutting down any ambiguity for yourself yeah so yeah you've covered that off quite you know quite well, succinctly but also in detail um in terms yeah. of explaining that so i guess a lot of this stems back to, and there, there were, there's a more serious side to this yeah, there in is. terms of coachability and um, and and high function, which is of course like the foundation of largely what we do and the way we go about approaching things and how we're trying to help you uh, as followers or listeners. Um, and um, but but a lot of this comes back to to why, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. I guess that's what we're saying is, a, 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 the, for me. Um, whether a question would be deemed to be a stupid question, right? and I understand that people get annoyed about the word stupid. I get this is semantics, that isn't it? You know, yeah. we're getting upset because we're using the word stupid. It, it's semantics. It could be a, 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 a inappropriate. You could use the word inappropriate question, yeah, or unresearched question, or lazy question. There's loads of words you could use to describe it, but let's just use the phrase stupid question because, you know, it, it makes more sense to people and it's funnier. 
Yeah. Um, but um, for me, it's about why. Why are you having to ask this question? That's kind of largely what you were saying, I think, yeah. isn't it? So are you asking this question because you're too lazy to try and find out the answer? Are you asking this question because you haven't thought through what it is you need to be really asking? Um, are you asking this question because you haven't listened in the past? That's a, that's a real frustration yeah, one for me, is. actually. So as a coach, and having been a coach in one form or another all of my adult life, that's one of my biggest frustrations, when I know someone's been taught something and then they ask me the answer to something they've previously been taught. It's most frustrating when they've forgotten they've been taught it. Yeah. When they recall they've been taught it, but they can't recall the answer. Sometimes that's, you know, you kind of think, all right, that happens, yeah? But, you know, obviously embedding learning, so being taught something and then embedding that learning, is the responsibility lies with the, with the coachee. I was going to say learny, but that's not a word, is it? The learner. The learner. <laughs> the, <laughs> the, learning, the learner. Um, and, um, you know, like that's one of the things I've always taken quite a lot of responsibility for, not just reactive learning, but proactive learning. You know, if I go on um, a conference to a conference or I watch something on, you know, YouTube or read something, I will often make quite a lot of notes about it in a notebook that I've got to refer back to um and often i'll go away and think about how i apply that if i can apply it to my journey and how i apply it to my journey so you know i've got a little book i've got a few little books actually because obviously you know eventually you run out of pages but i've got a little book and um i started it i think in something like 2004 um and i've got some other books and notes from prior to that like going back as far as like 1998 when i first started working for the bank in my corporate world and um they contain notes of things i was taught um and i and, and me writing them down and of course that's really important so for example i'll give you an example of something that i was taught i think on my very first day by david o'hare he 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 probably doesn't listen to this podcast um so but if you do david thanks for this um he taught me something i think on my very first day when i worked in the bank which was that there are only three benefits you can provide to someone a cash benefit a time benefit or a feel-good benefit. And the second he taught me that, I wrote it down because I was in a sales role. So I wrote that down. And I, you know, I still have it written down now and I still use it now when I'm you know, talking to people about something we might be able to do for them. You know, And would I have remembered, you know, I have my, I, I think that's great. That's a really important piece of learning. That's really useful strategy technique that I can use been taught to be by someone who knows their craft and it's important for me to make sure I remember and also endeavour to understand and apply that and that was down to me to do I can still remember it now um, my dad taught me many many things over like my childhood and I seem to re remember those without necessarily knowing I had a, a learning style but um, I guess maybe I was just really interested maybe he just repeated them a lot and we did have a whiteboard in our kitchen, which I know is quite unusual. So, and in the middle of that whiteboard were the words, tell me I forget, show me I remember, involve me and I understand. And that's still written on a board upstairs in our studio, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And at the very top of that board, top left-hand corner, um, uh, art, music, sport, the indivisible trinity was written as well. And, you know, I know I sat there and read that every morning, um, but I remember it. But then again, I suppose... I had to choose to read it. How many people would, other people might have had that in front of them and just not been aware that it was so there? This is something, like I was going to say, there's two points from what you've said. Mm. One of the ones that I like and was thinking about the other day was the difference between listening and hearing. Yeah. Oh, yes. This is a good, I yeah. like this one, yes. And like one thing that I, I learned a few years ago, oh, I didn't even yeah. go, back in the day when I did my Masters in Water. Um, well, not really that far back in the day, let's be honest. Years, <laughs> yeah. It feels like it relative to lifetime. Not to me. <laughs> well, no. When I was doing my master's, yeah. there was a lad that was on my course as well. And it absolutely amazed me because he turned up to lectures and he didn't have a, he didn't have a notebook. And, um, and I said to him, I was like, well, what are you going to do? Like, did you forget it? Or? Mm. And he was like, no, I just really, really listen. Like, mm. And he, he memorised it. I know he's definitely like on a different like level in terms of being able to do that because like you said about different learning yeah, styles yeah, and something yeah. that's something that I I can I can do. do that I don't think no, no but not you everything. ask him about like content in the lectures yeah. afterwards and he recalled it verbatim but it mm, wasn't mm. just like 
regurgitating it. He actually mm. understood mm. it as well, mm. which relates to last week's podcast. Yes, and, it does. Um, yeah. yeah. And that fascinated me because it then made me change my perception about how much I was actually listening versus hearing. Yeah. Because I just listened to the words go around. Was I hearing them, interpreting them, and actively like trying to remember and absorb that? I think we mean the other way around. So you hear um, the words. Yeah. Hearing is hearing like, is yeah, yeah is oh. the baseline. Listening <laughs> is the absorbing, isn't yes. it? Yeah. yeah. And in your case, were you just hearing them and writing them? Yes. To I then read like back later. Was, yeah. Or were you really listening? And writing things yeah, yeah. that were relevant and not just everything that was being said. Yeah. And how was I then going to use that? And I think this is really important because everyone learns in different ways. Yeah. And like you said, you had to make a choice when you saw what was written on the whiteboard to yeah. firstly read it, also be able to remember and recall it as well. But also and think about what it meant. Well, yeah. And of course, the benefit of thinking about what it meant is it helps embed it. Yeah. Because then you're... Like, like we talked about last week, you're moving through that intuition scale, aren't you? And you're moving into understanding and potentially intuition. And if you understand something, the likelihood of you remembering it is far greater. Now, of course, because I, one of the things I find is that there are lots of things that I've learned in the past that I don't know I've learned as well. Or, or they become less relevant to your day-to-day life and you don't proactively repeat them or bring them up. But then when something occurs, you remember them. Yeah, or I sometimes I'll read one of my notebooks and be like, oh yeah, I remember that idea. Mm. I used to use that. That's a great one. Because sometimes I actually scan through my little books to like remind myself of stuff. Oh, you know, that was something I stopped using and uh, I haven't forgotten about, I haven't forgotten it as such because if I had, I wouldn't, it wouldn't trigger when I, trigger me when I read it. Yeah. But I'd stopped, yeah, for some reason I'd stopped using it. So, so, okay. So there's, so there's a bit here about, so the bit about why, you know, you're having to ask a question is the really important bit, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, what um, does that say about your responsibility and ownership of your journey? Yeah. Yeah. Now, of course, <clears throat> when we said that it's frustrating as a coach when you teach somebody something and then they have to ask about it again. But of course, the really high level of coachability in somebody is people that acutely, you talked about this. In fact, I don't know whether you can find the notes, Lids, because... We're recording this on your iPad, so we may not be able to. But I think you wrote something about this in your weekly training plan feedback, didn't you? I can this access week. it on my phone. So um, I can probably access it as well. So, like, because one of the things that um, a lot of you listeners won't realise is that we might do by now is that the way that we coach our athletes, they they do use their training plan um, for their training schedule, but for the, especially for a lot of the athletes, especially ones I coach probably a great much greater percentage is used um for um uh their personal development journey and um i found it don't worry um their personal development journey and um uh yeah athletes like lydia record a lot more about that than they do about their training so and we have a weekly seminar which i reference quite often uh it's a 90 minute seminar every monday and lids writes notes about the seminar to remind herself what we talked about what she learned and what she thought about it and feeds that back to me so something you wrote this week because this week we were challenging the guys about um their um about the intuition scale weren't they and their level of responsibility um that they take working through it particularly in relation to their swimming journey more than anything yeah, because this is one of the things that we maybe we could, we could potentially touch on this in a second because yeah. it might interest some of the, the listeners that are specifically triathletes. And you wrote, um, so things the things I thought off the back of the main seminar, and this was the first point, being curious. I'm not sure, even within myself, there is enough of this. I know I write a lot of lists, um, but I do write a lot of lists of things that I want to learn about have a knowledge gap in it then gives me structure to work through this is probably what was highlighted out of the session directed learning and cbd cpd so what you meant by that was that you're listening yes so you're not yes. just hearing you are listening yeah. you're writing stuff down you're writing about the things you want to learn about but what you were saying was are you taking it to the next level which is are you curious enough yeah. so are you so what we mean you mean by this is um that you're reactively learning quite well yes but are you doing enough proactive learning yeah yeah and 
that's another thing that really stands out. So a lot of people ask a lot of questions. And one of the things I think, you know, of course, you've got to be careful not to be too judgmental here, because I, I think I'm probably quite a proactive learner. I think, you know, I'm, I'm probably not so good at learning things I'm not interested in. So um, if you've ever tried to get me to do an Excel spreadsheet, for example, I wouldn't have said I was a proactive learner when it comes to utilization of Excel or a lot of tech, to be honest with you. Um, but I'd like to think I'm quite a proactive learner. So for me, it's quite a strange thought to think that people wouldn't go out, you know, wouldn't be curious all the time, be looking at things in a way that, you know, looking for opportunities to learn new stuff, um, let alone not even take it on board that someone else is taking the time to teach them. Yeah. So I get quite frustrated by this, don't I? Which is why we, we kind of this topic was raised, yeah? So I, I, I probably think more questions are stupid than the average person, yeah? Simon Sinek would go mental if you heard us talking about this one. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, um, but, but, but for me, this is, this is um, the next level, is are you somebody that is proactively going and looking for ways to learn? Re like actively looking things up, researching stuff. So I'm a real pain to watch either sport with or even TV with. So if I watch a film or, a, or like a dramatisation of something that's linked to factual events, I'm a terrible because... I spend half of the time pausing it to look things up on Wikipedia. <laughs> so, because I can't just watch it and enjoy it, I want to know more about it. And when I watch sport, I can be a bit like that as well. So I can start looking up stuff or pausing the the match and then rewinding it if uh, if I see something that I think is worth understanding a little bit more deeply yeah um or so this afternoon for example like i watched the super bowl on um on sunday night uh and obviously it went on quite a long time and i needed to get some sleep uh so i didn't watch the aftermatch review um and that's why i haven't listened to any reviews or interviews with any players or coaches yet and before i come down to record this i had started watching that and i find that really for me that's really interesting not necessarily because i um agree with or i don't know because i'm listening to it yet, but i don't always agree with everything that's been but i just find it interesting listening to that nar the narrative that people have about things because as a coach i can then apply that so good and bad narratives so sometimes you hear someone think say something you think wow that's that's fantastic and then um sometimes you hear people say something you think oh no that's a bit self-sabotaging or you know it's a bit low functioning but it's still useful um ted lasso you know like most people just watch ted lasso and enjoy it you know, to me, it was like an educational series. Documentary, that. <laughs> yeah, documentary, yeah. Like on, you know, on coaching, really. Well, yeah. um, and it, obviously it resonates with me because it links in. But I, I find it hard to watch Ted Lasso without making notes. Whereas most people watch Ted Lasso and just enjoy it. Don't oh, they? yeah. Yeah? So, um, so I, I'm not saying that, that you want to be like me because the only problem there is that it could be hard to switch off. I don't switch off very well. Like I was watching MasterChef. <laughs> I was. Again, that's quite an interesting one. I mm. was about like sort of learning, mm. you know. Because mm. like, still, I was looking at them when they do the skills test at the start. I've never watched MasterChef, okay. so. Well, just around how they like conduct themselves, which ones get flustered, which right. ones kind of manage yeah, yeah. it in a way to think logically. Yeah. Even though they know the answer afterwards and stuff, but they still like make Yeah, Lego Masters is similar yeah, to that, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. How do they plan that? Yeah, yeah. And then it was also um, like learning about, because this is another thing we can probably talk about at some point in the podcast, but looking at how they, when they put <clears> their <throat> plates up for feedback, <clears throat> how they value the criticism. Yeah. And also how they then set their standards higher to themselves and are frustrated themselves for not. Yeah doing what they thought they were capable of yeah, or yeah. Do you know, taking that on the chin. Yeah. And that was quite interesting because a lot of people shy away from that. Yeah. It's quite a different look. But again, you, it's like, where, you, where if you've been looking for the opportunity to learn, because mm. again, that's something I'm thinking, actually, if, when I take, like, have feedback, am I taking it in that way? Should I be asking mm. more for, like, mm. all of these mm. other things? And just, yeah, learning from yeah. what you're doing. If you're not actively looking and thinking and applying how this might yeah. be, then you can't really start to ask questions of yourself as well. Yeah. Which is yeah. important. Yeah, it's really important, isn't it? So it's so you know, when you feel when you're in a position you've got to ask a question to somebody, I guess like I said, what, what what's led to that point that you have to ask that question? Um and of course it, you know it's about it's have you, you know, first of all, have you absorbed the learning you've had the opportunity to or that's been presented to you in the past? Have you done some proactive research? Have you done you know, do you do sufficient amount of C P D? Do you, you know, on an even more advanced level, do you 
take the opportunity of more subtle learning. Uh, I've used the word opportunity twice there um, in the same sentence. That's not very good, is it? But do you take those chances that you have to use the more subtle learning opportunities that are all around us all the time? Because they're everywhere, aren't they? Mm. Um, and, um, you know, if you if you maximise the opportunities that you have, you probably have to ask less, less, less questions or you are, the questions you do are will be a more advanced type. Yeah. So they'll be looking for more conceptual understanding of something rather than just very basic. What's that part of my bike called then? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah? Uh, you haven't bothered to look it up. Yeah. Or and, and bike bikes a good example actually, isn't yeah. it? Because you know, like one of the things, um, if you bike, I, I don't want to be slanderous about bike shops here, but a lot of bike shops, for example, when when, when people take their bike in. Cause it's not working gears aren't working right my gears aren't working can you fix what yeah okay we'll, we'll take your bike to the workshop we'll book it in and we'll fix the gears and then it turns out to be a quarter turn of the barrel adjuster um and a little bit of lube and they charge you 50 quid for the hour right for a job that took 30 seconds um and you know what? you kind of deserve that really to be honest with you because if you own a bike and you don't know that's how you adjust the gears which probably takes about two minutes to learn on youtube that's just lazy isn't it mm. You know, and, uh, you know, it's the same with cars, isn't it? You know, don't get me wrong, I'm no car mechanic. Um, and, um, you know, the reality is I'm a bit lazy. Or I prioritise other things, maybe, yeah? But, you know, if I if I ask a car mechanic a question that's probably reasonable for them to expect me to know the answer to, I kind of deserve, I kind of accept that, you know, they might be a little bit frustrated with me, yeah? Because um, if I own a car then it's probably a fair expectation that I kind of have a rough understanding of how some of it works. Or at least where the screen wash goes. Yeah, that's right, <laughs> exactly, yeah. Or how to change the tyre, yeah. a wheel if I have a puncture, that kind of, where the actual spare wheel is, yeah. for example, that kind of thing. It's a bit ignorant, isn't it? And, you know, there are probably things that to do with my car that I probably should know better. Um, but um, you know, I choose not to. And so therefore I kind of have to accept being maybe a little bit judged if I... If the reason I don't know is because I haven't been bothered to learn about something that actually I spent quite a lot of money on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it, this is quite interesting in triathlon because I'm always surprised with triathletes how l little they seem to want to learn about some of the parts of the sport. I agree. Yeah. Would you agree? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm obviously you're a bike fitter, bike consultant, so this probably stands out for you. Yeah, it does. <clears throat> um, it always, it does fascinate me, like... Actually, a lot of the people that I get in are pretty good, like in terms of wanting to know when they're mm. in the bike fit session themselves. Right, yeah. Um, I've had a few that, that haven't been. Yeah, no, I, oh, definitely. Um, but I think it's that <clears> bit before <throat> of going through that process of showing them. Actually, it's not as firstly, it's not as uh, complicated as mm. like we said, mm. like just knowing your bike isn't as complicated as you make out initially. So that's that first oh, of course the barrier not. to They're very simple pieces of equipment. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Um, and also, when you look at it, it's um, like it's quite logical in terms mm, of like mm. the process around it. Mm. But I think it's that that will thing of like, do you actually want to learn and find out and spend the time doing mm. it? Um, because like for me, like that's really across all of the disciplines. Mm. Like it's that's the exciting part is not just going through the motions. That's right. Yes. Like like with the swimming as well. I'll bring on that example now that we're we're talking mm. about. Like after with with swimming and like how I've kind of approach my swim journey yeah hasn't necessarily been about putting more hours in the pool like no. i know that i need to do between four to six swims a week mm. three conditioning sets and additional tech sets mm. and, and, and without being rude yeah. to you but i don't want people to think i've been rude you're probably not the most naturally you're not the most naturally gifted swimmer i think your words were you swim faster than you have a right to <laughs> yes, that is what I said. Yes, that's Which true. I thought I quite yes. that. You do have like, quite yeah, big okay. feet though, so maybe yeah, that helps. But but you um like some people have a sort of natural flow about the way they do things. Like yeah. like um swimming or dancing. Uh yeah, and so you can kind of come see back to your deer analogy, I'm basically like Bambi in the water. Well, well at the start of Bambi. Uh, yeah, I haven't seen Bambi, but I'm I'm assuming that Bambi falls over a lot. Yeah, yeah, on yeah, the ice. yeah, yeah. Okay, well there <laughs> you go. To find his legs. Okay, right. Yeah. So, so, and I'm not being rude about that. That that like obviously, some people really kind of can feel that. So you get and you get quite frustrated by that, don't you? Because you sort of can see and in your head you can sort of think what you want to do. Yeah. But you find it harder to repeat that. Yeah. 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 That movement. So, 
like because I want I want people. The reason I'm saying this is I want people's expectations to be managed because of course it can be very easy to make an assumption that because relatively you're quite fast, yes, that you're a naturally gifted technical swimmer. Yeah, yeah. but you're not. No, not at all. Are you? No, and I've had to really work on um, my development yeah. around this. And you rely quite heavily on your physiology. Yeah. To to generate that speed, don't you? In terms of your energy systems, yeah. rather than your technical. Uh, finesse yes yes it's getting better but yeah. You, yeah but anyway so sorry so i just wanted to get people to not because one of the things the problem is that people can think oh it's easy for lids because but it's not is it water twice. yeah yeah <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> totally circumstantial <laughs> um yeah so like with with like this learning piece and asking like questions so yeah. after any school sessions um I this is to, like four four or five years yeah. ago and you couldn't really swim properly at all yeah, yeah. i used to go back through the, the sessions we'd had i'd listen to any like commentary on the videos yeah i'd read back through the analysis as well yeah and i'd in a separate uh, notebook pen to paper i'd sit mm. and write down what i've learned from the session mm. what my key focus points are and what i'm going to do yeah next and then like ahead of going to any tech swim or any tech or swim session that i do mm. i'd go back through those notes re-watch the videos as well yeah to try and see what it looked like when I didn't have it right. Yeah. What it looked like when I had it right. Yeah. And also then in my head, try and cross-reference how that felt. Yeah. So what was the feeling I was then going to start to tune into in that yeah. swim in the water. I then start to have a look at how other swimmers were swimming as well. Mm. After that session, I'd write down what I thought, what I'd learned. Mm. Then I'd start to think about, uh, then identify what my next steps would be. Mm. So these are the areas I'm going to focus on next. Mm. This is what I observed. This is what I observed in myself and others. And then more, more mm. like sense mm. check that with you. Yeah. To then direct my learning yeah. and also the have questions. I understood this the yeah. right way? This is my application of what I've understood. You know, do you think I'm getting it right or not? Rather yeah. than yeah, okay, can you just like was okay, that better? Yeah, was that like, better than like, last it was, time? It was, yeah. Was it just a like then I'd like to think about mm. what the questions I was about to ask you? Mm. Was it just was it better or was it worse? Yeah. Which is then not taking ownership of yeah. like identifying. So actually, actually asking, answering your own question. And what's quite interesting here is this links back a little bit to last week. Yeah. That intuition scale we're talking about, you know, courage and trust, belief scale and stuff, is that um, where you probably don't have an intuitive physiological uh, um, approach to swimming. Yeah. It just isn't part of your, at the moment, you've, that's one of the things you find hard. Yeah. yeah, and actually, ironically, might be linked to some of the other things you find hard. Yeah, because we know there are connections to these things, so I might explain a bit of that as well. But we don't know, do we, for sure? But you, it's something you find because you find it trickier on the mountain bike as well, don't you? When you ride with Lauren, you're like, "How is she so smooth?" I oh, know. Yeah? yeah. So. Um, why crash so much? Yeah. Why do you crash so much? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And um, <laughs> but what what you have done is you've taken that responsibility. So you've gone down that CPD process, that curiosity bit, that level of ownership piece, to reduce the number of questions you have to ask, reduce the amount of challenge you have to get, um, make sure that you don't take steps backwards between sessions. So what you find is a process that keep like tries to hold you at a high level in that scale. Yeah. Then maybe intuitively you're able to you would be able to do right yeah and that's the important piece isn't it um and it, it's that as well as it's like you know if you if, if we worked on three things in an endless pool session you would take three steps forward and stay at three steps forwards yeah you know some people the really gifted people and i'm not one of those but the really gifted people might you might give them three steps and they add two more yeah yeah, yeah i coach an athlete like that at the moment um she seems to be able to pick lots of things up quite quickly. Um, so she'll take three steps forwards and then come back to the next session having taken two more that she's worked out for herself. Yes. That's quite exceptional. Um, most people probably, you know, okay is take three steps forward, maybe one back. Yeah. Yeah, probably tolerable. But actually, in reality, what we see with the swim coaching piece, isn't it? A lot of people taking three forwards and then three back. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So they come for the endless pool session they go away, and when they return for the next session, they're basically what they were. They haven't. They haven't it's a regression, yeah. progression, or even a holding in the baseline. Yeah, that's right. They don't. They don't just start off where they finished. So that would be like learning to play a tune at a music lesson, and then unlearning it in between. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's because swimming so hard; it requires so much CPD. That's the reality, isn't mm. it? So, from a swimming perspective, we use swimming as an example. Yeah, one of the reasons I think people don't make progress in swimming is because of the way they think. 
It's got loads of everything else. It's the, the fact they don't actually take any time to think about what they need to study and learn, to think about or learn to, or endeavour to understand swimming. You know, yeah. what, what is swimming actually about? Um, what their unique, you know, opportunities or restrictions might be. Um, you know, so take me, for example, there are some things that I can do well, some things that my physiology restricts me from doing well. So then thinking, right, okay, well, based on my understanding of swimming, what does that mean that my stroke might need to look like? What do I need to work on? And then being able to work with your coach together to keep moving that thing forwards. With swimming, you know, I think a lot of people expect to be instructed mm. to, to, to swim and it doesn't work like that. No. And in fact, most things in life don't work like that. You know, not really, do they? No, they don't. And I think swimming is a really good example because I think a lot of people think that they'll be told the movement pattern yeah. or the series of sort of the sequence. Yeah, do this, events, do this, do this, yeah, yeah. And then it will come yeah. together. Yeah. And it's not like that no. at all. And like that's I quite like thinking in that way. That's yeah. why I like bike fitting because it's like yeah. do this, can identify cause and effect, yeah. move on to the next bit, etc. Yeah. But that's why I've had to rethink about and approach how I swim. Yeah. Because it isn't just a case of like lift one arm up water. Yeah place it <laughs> move it forwards and, and stuff yeah. like that there's so much that comes into it and being able to try and think holistically but also being aware of when you should like how to approach that is really important yeah that cause and effect thing's really interesting actually because one of the things i see coaches labor swim coaches labor videos are all over the internet about it is catch the catch phase yeah? yeah high elbow pull high elbow catch early vertical pull whatever you want to call it and um, they go, they go on, and then and athletes often come to their, to their end spot. Oh, but I think my 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 catch is the problem. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, you can't even balance the bloody water. Yeah. That that's your problem. Yeah. And we spend all this time worrying about catch yeah, and an effective catch and underwater phase, which obviously are important. But we we're doing that way ahead of like the importance of just being able to float yes, and control yeah. your body <laughs> in the water, the height of it, the rotation of it. So most people's swim technique, for example, is just made up of a sequence of compensatory movements. Yes. And swimming needs to be made up of a sequence of complementary movements. Movements complement each other. But most people's is made up of all these compensatory movements where one movement is bad and then another movement's bad to compensate for it. Then another movement gets bad to compensate for that one and then so on and so forth. So, for example, most people are worried about their catch but they have to lean on their hand yeah. to balance at the reach because they don't they can't control their body yeah um because they haven't learned those basic water skills and most people's perception of what they think they need to learn versus what they really need to learn is misplaced now you don't have this problem with kids well, yeah because you tr not trick them but you kind of do trick them into learning the water skills through play early in their journey but adults won't do that obviously um so, and most, probably most triathletes is their goal with swimming isn't that they want to learn to swim well, they want to learn to be able to swim 3.8k quickly. And those two things don't automatically... Align? Yeah. Yes. Um, so, you know, that would be like going to a music teacher and giving them a tune that you specifically wanted to play well. Yeah. And a time by which you wish to learn it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and the standard to which you'd like to play right, it. So yeah. Like you don't start at grade eight, do you? No. You don't go. I just want to start straight at grade eight. Me please. on the bagpipes, <laughs> skipped it, fast tracked. Um, I was just thinking, right? If you had a group of kids, yeah, versus a group of adults, mm. and they, you ask them to just ask questions about swimming. Yes. I reckon the group of kids would have better questions that are more relevant and thought out about how to improve their swimming than the group of adults. Yes, I think you're probably right. Yeah, well, we know kids are much more willing to ask questions, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, um, than adults are. So, but it's a, this is this is a bit of the paradox with the, the topic we're talking about today, of course, because um, one of the dangers of suggesting that there's such things as stupid questions that people then get afraid yeah, they don't ask to ask anything. any questions. But do you know what? I, I, I'm going to push back on that because I don't buy I don't buy that. I ask loads of questions. And do you know what? If someone challenges me about it being a stupid question, it's normally Lauren, you know, I'm like, all right, yeah, okay, yeah, fair enough. It was a stupid question. I should have known the answer to that, yeah? Um, I just haven't bothered to learn. So I'll take that on the chin, but can you help me out with the answer anyway, right? Um, uh, I have to accept that if I know a question is a stupid one. You know, like if I've got to ask a question about how to use Excel or Word, 
I know I'm going to get a kick in the ass for it because I've probably been taught it before and I haven't chosen to embed the learning, hoping that I wouldn't need it. But then I do find out I do, right? <laughs> so um, I have to deal with that. And I can't go, oh, well, you know, don't tell me it's a stupid question because it upsets me because I'm a snowflake. Get told off for that as well now, probably. But it's true though, isn't it? Oh, yeah, you know, it people is. get so offended because we challenge them about the fact they've asked the question. Um, because, you know, basically the rule is you can't upset anyone anymore, you know, even if they deserve to be upset. Right? Now we're on to the ranty bit, aren't we? Yeah. Here we go. Here we go. When was it coming? Yeah. It's true though, isn't it? You know? So, um, you know, yes, yeah, yeah, like we could do a podcast on that, mate. It do people deserve to be upset? Um, and there's gonna be a load of people out there going, No. No, no, no. And there's a load of other people going, do you know what? Yeah, because there are some fucking idiots in this world that do my head in. Um, but I can't say it's okay for people to be upset because I'll get criticised for it. When actually, there's probably plenty of people thinking the same as what I'm thinking. Yeah. I can't be alone on that one. No. Surely. Well. <laughs> no. I, I, um, I back you on Yeah, you'll back me on that one. Yeah, I know. So but we're the only ones in this room, so yeah. it's, it's easy just, for us I'm to just, agree. I'm saying that and I'm all scared about it. Uh, Getting in trouble with Lauren. Yeah, so am I. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> that's, so, that's my exactly, yeah. But we've, got, I haven't got you back, but... we've probably got a few days before she listens to this and uh, catches us. So anyway, let's go back to the topic. So the point is about this bit about question answering. You, you know, we've been a bit, you know, we are being a bit flippant yeah. about it, you know. Um, but the reality is this, it's true. And, and I think it's about changing your habits, about ownership, responsibility. It comes back to that coachability piece. You know, when we talk about coachability, we talk about... Um, you know, your level of direction and support, your transactional state, are you communicated in an adult adult way? And of course, if you're asking questions that you really should know the answer to or could have gone and found the answer to, or at least an answer to, that you could then look for clarification on, then you're not low on direction and support. You're high on both because you, you haven't had the attitude to go and look things up and you have to be told what to do. Um, and arguably, you're not in an adult transactional state. You're in a needy child state or manipulative child state because you're not taking responsibility and ownership. You're not controlling the controllables. You know, you, so there's lots of things there that feed into like how accomplished and coachable you are and how high functioning and coachable you are if you're having to ask questions that, you know, um, you know, might be deemed to be stupid ones and you're having to do it too often. Um, and so... I think it's quite an important piece here in terms of how you think about your journey. And if you want to do something and you want to do it better, the way, the, the level of responsibility and ownership you take over how you think about it. Yeah. Because I think that's where a lot of people fall down. And um, and I've seen this in you know everything. Um, now, I was very fortunate in my corporate uh, career to be surrounded by some really high functioning and high performing people. Um, who didn't often fall foul of this because if you if you failed to get this right in my corporate career, you didn't last very long. And I was very lucky in most of my hockey career, particularly at Starport, to be surrounded by a lot of people that probably took a lot of ownership and responsibility over their journey, um, which is why I think the team probably functioned so well. Other teams I played for probably not quite so. They used to wonder why they didn't function and perform well or... Um, and get frustrated and you know it's because they didn't have the right attitude and mindset you know um so i, I think um and in triathlon it's a really interesting thing because again you know a lot of it maybe comes back to people's desire for the outcome but not the process so yeah. i want to finish an ironman or i want to do an ironman they but, but but triathlon's a sport and do you know what it's not just tri everything provides this opportunity but just triathlon probably disproportionately so where all of the other stuff that goes around it, understanding swimming, understanding cycling, understanding your equipment, you know, in all three disciplines are all important things. They're all contributing. So if you want to be a triathlete, to say, oh, I don't want to know what, I don't want to know how my bike works, I don't care, I'll leave that to my mechanic or my bike. That's not okay, because that is part of the process, isn't it? Well, yeah, yeah. You know, in fact, it's a bike fitter. Your job isn't to tell people what to do, no. it's to help people decide what to do, Yes, isn't it? Yeah, I tell people when they come in. Yeah that the bike fit is going to be largely driven by them. Mm. And I'm there to sense check and rationalise yeah. that that piece. Yeah. Because again, like you can't feel how I can't feel how someone yeah. feels on the bike. Yeah. You can use baseline parameters of what sort of you would work to. Yeah, yeah. But ultimately, like the only person who really understands how they feel and the impact yeah. that changes had is them. 
Yeah. And this is why it's really important to understand, be able yeah. to work out what that, like I said, that cause and effect piece is. Yeah. But then have the curiosity to keep going through. Yeah. And working at it over time and time yeah. again. And, and I'm a good example because you've, I mean, obviously we see each other a lot, so it's easier to have that ongoing comms and we train together. But you've helped me a lot with my setup because, you know, and I don't, and I genuinely believe this, I'm not being biased, I don't know if there's any other bike fitter in the country that could have provided me with the sustainable and effective setup that I've now got because my physiological requirements are uh, complicated and required constant dynamic adjustment and discussion and review from both you and myself to get to the point that, my, yeah. uh, that I'm at. You know, could I be more aero? Yes, but I wouldn't be able to hold the position. And the reason that I have problems probably would have eluded a lot of physios yes. as well because they're very weird. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and um, but you've been able to help me with that by encouraging me to take responsibility for finding the answers to, and helping me with knowing what, what questions to ask, where to look what to research, what to think about, all those things to get myself to the point that I'm at now where I've got an effective but sustainable position. Yeah. yeah? And the same with my equipment choices yeah, as well because exactly. I bought a whole new bike, didn't I, last well, yeah. year to help to reduce a the impact of a back problem I was having. Yes. Uh, and it's worked. Yeah. You know? So, but not in a way that nobody would have identified the root cause of my back problem, I think, other than you yeah. and me together. Yeah, yeah? exactly. Um, so just to be clear... My back problem was coming from um, the saddle drop, so the drop between my saddle and my base bars, yeah. and was being aggravated by how that drop impacted my physiology whilst descending. Yes. On, and that's what caused it. Now, how many physios and bike fitters would have gone to that for a back problem and not gone to someone's aero bars? Exactly. Or crankbanks, whatever it might be. Yeah. Yeah. So it just tells you how important it is to you know be curious, ask questions, do CPD, all those things, because it has re re resolved my back problem, and that back problem was getting to the point where I don't know if I'd have been able to carry on doing triathlon. It was touch and go. Wasn't yeah, it, with that? it's pretty bad, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. So, um, so it's really really important. So there's a really but there's a much more serious, much more um, value adding piece to this rather than just mocking people for asking dumb questions. Um, but, um, you know, choose whatever word you like, stupid, lazy, ignorant, um, I don't know, whatever word you like. But the point is, you know, asking questions provides you with a wonderful learning opportunity and coach, co an opportunity to be coached, but you've got to do it in the right way. That's the other thing actually, isn't it? Yeah. Not just what you ask or why you ask it, but how you ask how it too. That's it. another one, isn't yeah, it? That's yeah. That's a huge one for me. Yeah. Um, you know, does the question start with a potential answer yeah i think from my re like you said this at the beginning didn't you? The options, isn't it? yeah i think from my research da, 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 these are my possible options this is why yeah. or is your question is uh what saddle should i use how long is a piece of string yeah and no yeah <laughs> go back and understand which of the options yeah. are for you first yeah and if you go onto the internet or especially like forums or if you go onto like the iron man journeys my my pet hate yeah <laughs> two things one some of the questions that get asked on there you're just thinking like simple google search would do the trick I know. yeah i mean that's the, that's the other thing isn't it like google is you know <laughs> simple google search would answer most of them yeah. and if you've got facebook it's probably fair to assume you want google right exactly um so that's one of them what also so but the way they get asked quite a lot like you'll get questions like um what gear ratios should i use for lanzarote and the number of... Well, the number of times I've had yeah. people ask me, what wheel set should I use? What mm. tyre pressure mm. should I run? Mm. Literally, it'd be unprofessional to even answer Yeah, that, and that's, that's the bit, isn't it? Yeah. The bit that scares me is the number of people that are prepared to answer the bloody question. I know. Like, an, an unanswerable question. Yeah. yeah. So a question that could only be answered with immense bias, yeah. but also lack of knowledge. Exactly. Or understanding. That's what scares yeah. me more as well. Yeah. It's like people asking the question, okay, sometimes they're not very well thought out and researched. It's when people also answer, but it's going to put other people at yeah, risk. Yeah, yeah. And I get, we get, we both get, me, um, you and me and Lauren get asked a lot yeah. of questions, don't we, by people privately messaging us. And I think like what people don't sometimes have the courage to do is say I don't know the answer. Well, I do. Oh, yeah, yeah exactly. Or yeah. I, I have the courage to say two you things. I've said this to a couple of people recently. Two things. One. I'm not going to answer you because the amount of information I need to be able to answer that question, 
I couldn't even acquire from you just telling me. I'd have to spend months coaching you to understand, to give you an effective answer. And anyone that's prepared to give you the answer is someone you don't want to be listening to. So if someone answers your question, that's the person not to listen to. And, you know, are those questions I've been asked in the in recently stupid questions? They're not stupid questions, but they're ones that can't be answered professionally and appropriately. There isn't actually an answer to them. Yeah. I could see whether people were asking them. Yeah, yeah. And I could understand they've thought through what they think the answer might be, but they aren't going to get the answer they want. You know, it's like saying, saying coming to a bike fit and saying, how high do you think I should have my saddle? Even after the bike fit, you yeah. don't know the answer. No. <laughs> and got... I always say that as well. Yeah. Because like they've got to go away and... Actually test it first yeah. out on the road. Yeah. Um, within like a good couple of weeks. Yeah. Because they might have driven for a couple of hours. That's and right. down for the bike fit. It's going to have so many impacts yeah. on them. Yeah, that's right. Like different training blocks, loads of different things. So... Yeah. Yeah. So I think this is... So that's something that's really important as well, is like how you ask the question. Yeah. Um, how do you How do you structure it? Um... You know how to, to allow the person responding to give you the best possible answer um, but also yeah the answering piece yes. you know when you're answering someone's question are you really being fair are you being professional yeah. you know are you because you know I, I, I see like you know on these these forums and these groups the answers that are given and I'm thinking I, I you know I know the answers are wrong but I'm thinking there's no way you can't even answer the question like no. provided an answer itself is ignorant yeah or arrogant or both yeah it's nearly always men actually isn't it is interestingly as well yeah it, well yeah it's quite I'm, I'm gonna read it in a different way now but it's quite interesting looking at women's groups, yeah women's only groups and yeah. how oh, I do, i'm not how women oh, ask, funny enough i'm not in any women's only groups how they, Possibly ask, should how be, they ask questions yeah also the advice given as well some are mm. safe is it but yeah yeah some are a bit more tentative yeah i mean i, I men have this wonderful um level of confidence sometimes don't they um you know it's like i i said something the other day you know I was, I was talking a bit about um how our philosophy can help people with neurodiversity or how it seemed to sorry the doorbell's just gone so the dog will be letting us know in the background um so um we I was, someone was asking me about how our techniques have helped you with your neurodiversity and whether it could help more people um and um i um uh, i i said to them well, look, let, let, let me put it like this. I, I don't know. And the reason I don't know is this. In the field I work in, I'm considered relatively expert. But I know probably, um, I don't know, a tenth, a hundredth of what I don't know in my area of expertise. So in the area I'm considered an expert, I don't know considerably more than I do know. Right? Yeah, yeah. In an area where I'm not considered an expert, that number is even more significant, right? <laughs> yeah. So for me to answer your question wouldn't be very fair. Yes. And one of the things that a lot of my coaches will know is I don't very often answer questions I get asked, do I? No, you just ask more questions. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which sometimes annoys some people. There's two things I do. One, I ask a lot of questions back. Yeah. Number two, I often answer with, it depends. Yeah. I know a lot of coaches do that. So, but that's because often the answer is that, yeah, yeah. yeah? Um, which is the same as asking lots of questions back, really. So I often answer, answer a lot of questions <laughs> with questions. Large, where the, when you ask me a question or my feedback, mm. and you started caveating it now, so I give you like really long answer back, and you'd be like, "That was just a rhetorical." Rhetor one. Yes, I make sure to because yes, because you're quite literal. You yourself up so I have to make sure that I explain it's a rhetorical question before, before I ask it. Them, I've gone away and I've done loads of research, really thought out the answer, put loads of detail into giving a response, and you just come back with, that was a rhetorical You one. come back with the answer, I'm like, it was meant to be rhetorical, Liz. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, exactly, yeah. So, so that's really important as well, because I think coaches need to be mindful of this. Um, they need to be very careful about how they respond to things, or not just coaches, but everybody. Yes. You know, um, you know, what you don't want to do is end up in that Dunning-Kruger space. No. And if you don't know what that means, go look it up. Um, so, uh, which is, again, scarily common. In, more common than not. In triathlon. Yeah. 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 Um, and men even do it proactively. Men have a habit of answering questions for women that women haven't even fucking asked. Yeah, I know. Yeah, they're yeah. <laughs> telling you that you need to do something differently when you haven't even asked if you should be doing something differently yeah you know that that's one of my i i the the the, the swimming pool experts the ones that drive me nuts oh, yeah no, so <laughs> so when you're swimming 
and somebody's giving you tips on how you should swim better without um, knowing anything about your physiology, your history, your past, your goals, what you're practicing, you know, it's infuriating and the level of confidence people offer that advice with. I was listening to a guy the other day offering I someone you advice. Have that happen to you oh, did a few it? Months and ago. I, I did. I ha- I might have even had coach written on my hat. Yes, you did. When I was being given yes. this advice by somebody. I was dying in the pool. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, but um, uh, and I can understand why someone who thinks they're an expert in swim technique would look at my technique and think, "Oh, you could do it better," but. There's a reason I can't do it. There are actually some very specific reasons I can't do what I would... I mean, don't get me wrong, I'd like to be able to do things differently, but some of the things I don't do, I, can't, I actually can't because I don't have the mobility to do it. Um, but there was a guy in the pool the other day just offering out advice that was just fundamentally wrong to somebody. I think he had been asked for it, but and I'm thinking the level of confidence you have um, in your advice is amazing, outstanding. And I'm thinking, but I know, you know, that none of this is right. Like, I'm thinking, basically, you're teaching this guy how not to swim. Everything you're saying is technically <laughs> incorrect, yeah? Um, so you clearly don't know why you're saying it. You've just heard it somewhere. You're repeating it back. Um, and but the, the, the level, you don't get that in women so much, do you? That, that kind of Dunning-Kruger level confidence. No. Sometimes I'd say, yeah, I wouldn't say it's, I'd say it's less common, but not uncommon. Men are definitely bigger twats than women. That, that's well, a that's fundamental a fact. fact, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we all know that, yeah. yeah. But no, I've had people, like, oh, across everything, really. Yeah. Kind of, someone has, there's always, someone always got like a two pence to add, haven't they, into things mm. at times. But I think it's... Which is ironic, considering that we do a podcast doing more than our two pence were into. But people <laughs> yeah. don't have to listen today. Fair point. Sorry. <laughs> but people don't have to listen today. I think it happens across both. I don't think you can necessarily isolate it. I no. think the confidence and conviction yeah. that some men have of giving out advice that isn't even correct is probably yeah. greater. Or asked for. Or, or yeah. asked for. That's probably the bigger piece. I, I, I read a great meme the other day. It said, um, it said, for clarity, mansplaining is man-explaining. <laughs> Oh, that was quite good. I quite like that one. Um, but um, I understand the, it was taking the piss out of itself. That's the point, isn't it? But so so anyway, I guess we're running out of time, aren't we? Because we, we try and keep these to an hour. Um, the point here is that, look, um, it's not about what word you used to describe uh, a question. It's the importance of asking the right questions in the right way, at the right time to the right people. Um, and what that says about your level of coachability, your level of function, and how taking some ownership over getting that right can help transform your level of function, yeah, and your coachability, and your and therefore your progression and develop and personal development. And I think it's something that we've, you know, we've maybe drifted into that slightly. Oh gosh, I really need to find a, f- a better phrase for this, but into that again, to that sort of like snowflakery side of things. When we're af- if someone asks a question that's really stupid, we're afraid to challenge them for asking that question because of this there's no such thing as a stupid question phrase that flies around when fundamentally there bloody well is uh and you know what most of you especially if you're kids <laughs> yeah or you're a teacher you'll probably be thinking jesus christ yes there is such thing as a stupid question yeah so maybe with time we just had a little bit more courage to acknowledge the fact that it can be the case yeah but it doesn't have to be the case but it doesn't have to be the case um and um you know we shouldn't just fly around taking le- no responsibility and throwing out stupid questions out there because we know everyone's afraid to challenge us on asking the question because we're in this culture of there's no such thing as a stupid question type of thing yeah yeah um so therefore if you ask me a question about something think about it first because you may not get the answer you want <laughs> that's like that's done silence i'm going silence now i'm thinking what i'm saying okay so we've got <laughs> 90 seconds oh. 90 seconds on the timer so I've done this wrong again, so I'm going so I'm, this is this is infuriating me because I keep getting this wrong. I'm so angry with myself. Like, share, and subscribe, which yes, we're supposed please. to say at the beginning of the podcast. Yeah. Which I keep forgetting to do. I'm really angry about that um, because you know we want more people too. We've had some great feedback from people recently. It's been really, brilliant. It's been and fantastic. Um, and um, you know we're not always going to get it right. We're, again, we're learning as we go. We're learning about our own ideas as we go. Yes. Um, but the feedback's great. 
good and oh, good and bad no don't send bad feedback um but if you've got any ideas or anything you want to talk about let us know and if you think there's other people out there that would benefit from what it is that we do um and what it is we have to say then please let them know because that is the genuine purpose of doing this podcast yeah. is to try and just help more people have, live a more high functioning life and live a life that they feel more fulfilled in and and um you know they can get away from that societal toxicity yeah yes okay cool right enjoy enjoy the rest of your day guys and uh, we're off to lanzarote next week so we're going to be trying to record it from there i hope it works we are okay take care see you later bye bye